So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. I'm your host, Allison Gill. We have a bit of an abridged show for you today because of the holiday weekend, but I'm here for you with some stories from the weekend, including a judge ordering the release of apprentice outtakes, some new direction from Merrick Garland, a new COVID variant, and an update on the Georgia DA that obstructed the Ahmed Arbery murder investigation. And of course, we'll have some sabotage and some indictment league and all the good stuff that you've come to rely upon from Mueller, she wrote. There is a lot to get to, so let's kick it off with just the facts. All right, first up, after more than a year of delays, a team of attorneys will finally make a trip to Los Angeles next month to review highly guarded, never-before-seen outtakes of Celebrity Apprentice, seeking any evidence that the Trump family knew they were suckering people into investing into a scam. On Tuesday, a federal judge in New York City ordered that the movie studio MGM Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer make the footage available at a secure location, potentially ending a long-running battle that's still draped in secrecy. MGM won't say what's in the tapes or why it could be so damaging to make public. It's not even clear why the movie studio is fighting so hard to keep the unaired footage of Trump's old show under wraps. And in court filings made last week, the Beverly Hills studio would only describe what's in the tapes in a document that remains sealed from the public view. But lawyers for four scorned entrepreneurs know what they're looking for. Anything that shows Donald Trump and his kids knew that they were duping would-be investors by leading them to ACN, a multi-level marketing company based in North Carolina. Trump and his kids, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, were uh, the top recurring characters of The Apprentice, playing the role of business judges. And during the show, the family featured ACN as a promising investment, even having celebrities compete to produce a commercial for the company's supposedly high-tech new video chatting phone, the Iris 5000. In reality, the tech was a dud and the company was facing financial turmoil, but viewers were not told that. The lawsuit was filed in 2018 by four entrepreneurs who say they were suckered into joining ACN's multi-level marketing scheme and lost time and money doing it as a result of the Trump's endorsements. Lynn Chadwick of Pennsylvania says she was duped into the program in 2013, while Catherine McCoy and Millard Williams of California started in 2014. Marcus Fraser of Maryland says he signed up in 2016. None of them stuck around past year two. <laughs> Reviewing the footage could take weeks, even if there are only outtakes from two episodes of Celebrity Apprentice. They aired in the spring of 2011. In those episodes, opposing teams led by rapper Lil Jon and television personality Nene Leakes competed to produce ridiculous commercials for ACN's new video phone. In her order on Tuesday, U.S. District Judge Lorna Schofield wrote that attorneys representing these entrepreneurs shall review the requested footage on site and be able to copy relevant clips. The case is set for jury trial, so if the legal fight makes it that far, the public might get to see those videos. Robbie Kaplan, an attorney whose firm represents the entrepreneurs, declined to speak about the case. Lawyers for MGM, ACN, and the Trump family did not respond to requests for comment. 
The entrepreneur sued the Trump Corporation and the family members that starred on the NBC show, um, The Donald, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, claiming they were presenting ACN as a decent investment without revealing they were secretly getting paid millions to do so. The New York Times, citing Trump tax returns the reporters there had managed to obtain, they would later reveal that the multi-level marketing company paid $8.8 million over 10 years to the Trump org. Quote, Trump repeatedly misrepresented ACN's risk profile to consumers, falsely claiming that investing in ACN was low risk. Uh, And the lawsuit also goes on to say Trump repeatedly told his audiences that he endorsed ACN because he believed it offered a reasonable probability of commercial success. He touted ACN's commercial prospects and his regard for its founders, and he failed to disclose that he was, in fact, being paid millions of dollars for his endorsement. But the legal fight inevitably involved the entities with the actual evidence, MGM and JMBP, which stands for J. Mark Burnett Productions. Burnett, the British producer behind The Apprentice and a longtime Trump ally, is now the chairman of MGM's worldwide television group. The lawsuit officially filed uh, in, in October of 2018 has obviously dragged on for years because it has met stiff resistance every step of the way. At first, the family tried to pull the case out of federal court and into closed-door arbitration proceedings, and that failed when Judge Schofield and an appellate court judge ruled against it. No arbitration for you. Then in April of 2020, when the judge told MGM to hand over the tapes, any effort to review the tapes went sideways with COVID-19. MGM refused to let the entrepreneur's lawyers watch the footage remotely, and the attorneys wouldn't risk getting sick by taking the six-hour flight from New York City to Los Angeles and being crammed in video screening rooms. That disagreement was finally resolved in Tuesday's order. The complaint was also initially filed by the entrepreneurs using pseudonyms, but in August, the judge ordered them to refile their lawsuit using their real names. The amended version of the lawsuit describes how McCoy, for example, only realized ACN was a scam during her second year with the company. She remembers bringing recruits to company meetings for more than a year and only made $38. She realized she had been scammed. Trump was selling a dream to people like her. People who were struggling financially were really desperate and would leap at a promise of the kind of success Trump embodied. That's in the lawsuit. Expect a slow burn. The judge has scheduled trial sometime after March 2023. Uh, All right, we'll be right back with more news. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. This portion of the show is brought to you by Wealthfront. Investing apps make it easy for investors to start trading, but just because it's easy doesn't mean you know what you're doing. That's what makes Wealthfront different. They make it easy for you to invest, and they make it easy for you to learn more with about your investments. And you can become a smarter investor with Wealthfront, and you can start with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or customize it to suit your needs with socially responsible funds or crypto trusts. There's hundreds of investments, and it's easy to get started and you'll have a long-term portfolio in minutes. The goal of Wealthfront is to help turn your good ideas into great investments without having to deal with the hassle of doing everything yourself. You're protected from unnecessary risk because your portfolio will be diversified across asset classes. And if you don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill, they help you do that. And if you're not sure how to rebalance your portfolio, or if you're like me and you don't know what rebalancing is, they do that automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash MSW. That's Wealthfront, W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash MSW to start building your wealth. That's Wealthfront.com slash MSW. Get started today. And today's show is also brought to you by Credit Karma. I'd like to thank them for sponsoring this show. Uh, Do you feel overwhelmed when it comes to handling your personal finances? You are not alone. Credit Karma is here to help make those big calls with more confidence. Whether you're refinancing credit card debt or paying for upcoming expenses, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you fresh personal loan offers that are personalized to you. 
The best part about Credit Karma is it's completely free and comparing loan offers doesn't affect your credit score. Finding the right loan when I needed to pay off home renovations was a challenge, but with Credit Karma, they made it easy and helpful. Plus, Credit Karma helps you keep track of your financial progress and even lets you know if you can refinance and save money. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers without hitting your credit. And uh, you can check your approval odds, too. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find the loan for you. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is a story near and dear to my heart. A decision by the Trump administration to move the headquarters of the BLM, Bureau of Land Management, to Grand Junction, Colorado from Washington, left the agency with high vacancy rates as veteran employees, especially African-Americans, quit rather than relocate, a government watchdog said in a report issued this week. Senior officials in the Interior Department under Trump had argued that the move was needed to ensure the top employees were closer to the federal land the agency manages, most of which is in the western half of the United States. But the report from the GAO, Government Accountability Office, was critical of the decision, saying the agency lacked a strategic workforce plan that could have guided its decision making. And as a result, the report found the move caused many staff members to quit rather than relocate to Colorado. Out of a total staff of about 560 people, 134 people left the Bureau of Land Management after the move was announced in 2019. Of those remaining, 176 were asked to relocate, but 135 refused. The report, which was reported earlier by The Washington Post, said that other decisions at the agency at the same time, such as changes to its organizational structure, led to additional departures and an increased reliance on details or employees from other agencies who are temporarily assigned to perform the duties of a position that has been vacated. The result of the report said, with a loss of headquarters staff, increased numbers of headquarter vacancy, a loss of experienced staff and decreased representation of employees of some races and ethnicities, increased vacancies and the details used to temporarily fill those vacancies sometimes led to confusion and inefficiency. Interior Secretary Deb Holland announced in September she had decided to reverse the Trump administration's decision to move the BLM. But Representative Raul Grijalva, Democrat of Arizona and the chairman of the House Committee on Natural Resources, had requested the GAO's report. He asked the Accountability Office to examine changes in the Bureau's workforce after the decision by the Trump administration. The authors of the report said it was difficult to assess the full effect of the move and other changes at the 8,800-person agency because officials did not maintain comprehensive data about vacancies and other personnel issues. The report said there was only a minor change in the racial and ethnic makeup of the overall agency after the relocation. But before the move, about 83% of the Bureau's employees were white and 8% were Hispanic, 3.3% were black, and the rest were Native American, Asian, or other. After the change, the makeup was 80% white, 9.5% Hispanic, 3.1% black, and slightly larger share for the other racial and ethnic groups. But the report found the changes in the racial makeup of the headquarters staff was much more significant. Black employees made up more than 21% of that staff at the Bureau of Land Management headquarters, perhaps reflecting the population of D.C., which is about 45% black. Uh, After the move to Colorado, the racial makeup was very different. By January 2021, the report said after the relocation, the number of black or African-American headquarters staff decreased by more than half, making up 12% of the total headquarters staff. The authors urged the Bureau of Land Management to more closely track vacancies throughout its workforce and to allow them to better understand the effects of its decisions uh, and the decisions by leadership. They also recommend the agency's senior officials create a strategic plan to guide them on future changes to its personnel. Bureau of Land Management, quote, does not have the complete and reliable data on vacancies and details and therefore does not have a complete picture of its staffing needs. That's what the report concluded. And without such data on vacancies and details across the agency, Bureau of Land Management officials do not have complete information to make decisions about filling vacancies and initiating details to help agencies achieve its mission and goals. 
Bureau officials say in response to the report, they intend to make those changes. Quote, moving forward, Bureau of Land Management intends to establish a more standardized process to track vacancies and detailees bureau-wide. That's Laura Daniel Davis, the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Land and Minerals Management. And that was the agency's response. She added the agency was currently in the process of developing a process for bureau-wide strategic workforce planning. So that happened to me. My job was moved across the United States in a strategic restructuring and modernization effort. Um, Even though I was the West Region liaison to the Department of Defense, they moved me to the East Region, or they tried to, but I quit instead. And that was after they investigated this podcast. In other news, on Wednesday, November 24th, the United States Attorney General sent a memo to the FBI and all of the nation's U.S. attorneys directing them to coordinate prosecution with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial prosecutors and law enforcement to address criminal behavior on commercial aircraft. The memo clearly indicates the AG has seen enough and is throwing the considerable resources of the Department of Justice into helping keep the traveling public safe and secure. Quote, passengers who assault, intimidate, or threaten violence against flight crews and flight attendants do more than harm those employees. They prevent the performance of critical duties that help ensure safe air travel. That's Merrick Garland. He went on to say, similarly, when passengers commit violent acts against other passengers in the close confines of a commercial aircraft, the conduct endangers everyone aboard. The attorney general highlights how the rise in criminal behavior endangers the safety of passengers, flight crews, and flight attendants. And he continued how the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, and the Department of Justice have created an information protocol, which already has resulted in the referral of dozens of incidents by the FAA to the FBI for investigation. The attorney general is unambiguous, directing the U.S. attorneys to prioritize prosecution of federal crimes. And on November 22nd, the FAA proposed civil penalties for eight unruly passengers and referred the individuals to the FBI for investigation and prosecution by the Department of Justice. So, interesting. Something else Merrick Garland is doing. Also in the news this weekend, the Biden administration announced plans on Friday to ban travel to the United States from South Africa and seven other countries just hours after a new coronavirus variant was deemed a highly transmissible virus of concern. The travel restrictions begin Monday, according to senior administration officials, affecting South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Lesotho, Eswatini, Mozambique, and Malawi. The administration's decision was in response to advice from Anthony Fauci, that's the president's chief medical advisor, and the CDC. So that's happening, and as we know, these variants are allowed to happen because of the unvaccinated. All right, we'll be right back with the Fantasy Indictment League. Stay with us. Hello, it's AG, and this portion of the show is brought to you by Scribd. When it comes to finding new entertainment on a big browser, I constantly struggle to pick up my next book or audiobook or movie or podcast. There's just almost an infinite number of con- like amount of content out there today, and I feel like I spend as much time looking for my next book as I do actually reading it. And that's why I'm glad I found Scribd. With Scribd, I get thoughtfully curated picks and smart recommendations based on what I've already read, which makes choosing the next book that I'm going to read quicker and easier than ever. With Scribd, you get instant access to millions of ebooks audiobooks, court documents, magazines, and more, all with one low monthly subscription. It's the ultimate reading subscription service, letting you explore all of your interests in any format you choose for just $9.99 a month. And I love using their service. Discover must-read new work from celebrated authors like Roxane Gay, Charles Yu, and more, premiering exclusively on Scribd, 
or revisit timeless classics. And when I want to change things up, it's free. I'm free to switch between titles, genres, and formats at any time on my phone, tablet, or computer. And right now we're offering our listeners a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash AG for your free trial. That's try.scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D dot com slash AG to get 60 days of Scribd for free. Also today, in the 90s, ads for phone sex lines could be seen everywhere, flickering on the late-night cable channels and printed on the back of magazines. Phone sex operators worked around the clock to fulfill fantasies, and it all started with an idea from Mike Pardez, CEO and founder of American Telnet, who proudly coined himself the telephone pimp. He was joined by tech genius and co-founder Michael Self, who was known as the Bill Gates of phone sex. But it was the women behind the phones who created the close-knit yet highly dysfunctional family that turned American Telnet into a multi-billion dollar company and revolutionized the sex industry. As fortunes grew, the founders were sailing lavish yachts, fueling wild drug parties, and burning through cash by the minute, and the FBI was watching their every move. Wondery and Topic Studios' new podcast, Operator, is the untold story of a company which dominated the phone sex industry until the money blinded them and it all came crashing down. I've really been enjoying Operator. It's fascinating and entertaining. It keeps your attention with thrilling and interesting content. I highly recommend it for all podcast lovers. So follow Operator on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for Sabotage. Okay, this is a little small sabotage here for you, but organizers of the January 6th rally near the White House where then-President Trump spoke before the Capitol riot, allegedly used burner phones to communicate with top Trump officials, including his son, Eric Trump. That's from a report in Rolling Stone on Tuesday. Kylie Kramer, a leader of the, the Women for Trump PAC that helped organize the rally at the Eclipse, reportedly told an aide to buy three burner phones during the planning of an event and said it was of the utmost importance they were paid for with cash. All right, with that, it's time for the Fantasy Indictment League. I'm going to be indicted! No, it is going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm gonna be indicted! They can't. It's gonna be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm gonna be indicted! And this one's not Mueller-related, but well worth our time. A former Georgia district attorney has been booked on charges linked to her alleged mishandling of the case of Ahmaud Arbery, a black man who was pursued and gunned down, basically lynched, as he jogged through a Brunswick neighborhood last year. Ex-Glynn County District Attorney Jackie Johnson turned herself into the Glynn County Sheriff's Office Wednesday morning. And that's according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. After a grand jury returned an indictment on counts of obstruction and violations of oath by a public officer last week. Johnson was released from the Glen County Detention Center on a $10,000 bond. State prosecutors alleged that she used her position to delay arrests of white men who chased and killed and murdered the 25-year-old Arbery. Johnson was the county's top prosecutor when Arbery was fatally shot last year. And one of the armed men who pursued him had worked for her as an investigator. Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr, a Republican, sought the indictment after requesting an investigation of possible misconduct by local prosecutors who failed to bring charges in the killing. Father and son Greg and Travis McMichael armed themselves with guns and gave chase in a pickup truck on February 23, 2020, after they spotted Arbery running in their neighborhood just outside the port city of Brunswick. The McMichaels told the police they thought Arbery was a burglar and Travis McMichael shot him in self-defense. No arrests were made in the shooting until more than two months later, after the cell phone video leaked online, sparking a national outcry, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation took over the case. And, as you know, they were just all found guilty. Johnson has insisted she did nothing wrong, saying she immediately recused her office from handling the case, but Greg McMichael had been an employee. But still, Arbery's parents and the attorneys have long accused the ex-district attorney of trying to help the young man's killers avoid prosecution. 
Yesterday was a very huge win, Wanda Cooper-Jones, Arbery's mother, told reporters after the indictment was announced. I'm speechless. Unfortunately, Ahmad is not here with us today. But losing Ahmad, it will change some things here in the state of Georgia. And she was right when she predicted that. There's no longer a citizen's arrest law. Anyway, the indictment said Johnson violated her oath by showing favor and affection to Greg McMichael and failing to treat Ahmad Arbery and his family with dignity and fairly. It also says she obstructed police by directing that Travis McMichael should not be placed under arrest. Lee Merritt, an attorney for Arbery's mother, said she should spend time in prison. Her actions are not just acts of negligence, but she actively worked to cover up the murder. Also this week, the Manhattan District Attorney is not planning to charge Trump Organization Chief Operating Officer Matthew Calamari in a fraud case in which the former president's firm and its chief financial officer have been charged. That's according to Calamari's lawyers. Quote, Mr. Calamari is pleased that the district attorney has indicated that it has no present intention to bring charges against him. That is the fair and appropriate decision. He has committed no crimes and led an ex- exemplary life. That's uh, Calamari's lawyer, Nicholas Gravante. The office of the Manhattan district attorney declined to comment. Calamari's son, Matthew Calamari Jr., testified before a grand jury in September and has immunity from possible prosecution. That's according to a source that talked to Reuters in early November. So given all that, my picks this week pretty much remain the same. Down in Florida, I'm sticking with Engels, L.A. Key, and Matt Gates. Uh, I still think we'll see charges or a plea agreement for Daddy Calamari. I really do. And McConney. I don't think we'll see any prosecutions of the Trump kids for burner phones yet, so I'm not drafting them, them this week in the insurrection case, but I am going to draft them in the Manhattan DA case. They've just impaneled a new grand jury, and they're looking at property valuations. So Eric Jr. and Ivanka. And also going to draft Trump. Either from the Southern District of New York um, for being individual one in the Stormy Daniels hush money cover up or the new D.C. U.S. attorney for obstruction of justice in the Mueller investigation. And finally, we'll just add Rudy on there. We'll just add Rudy. Uh, All right. We'll see you tomorrow morning for the Daily Beans as we get into the final month of 2021. Until then, I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend and uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. and this is Mueller She Wrote. Mueller She Wrote is written and produced by Allison Gill in partnership with MSW Media. Sound design and engineering are by Molly Hockey. Jesse Egan is our copywriter and our art and web designer by Joel Reeder at Moxie Design Studios. Mueller She Wrote is a proud member of MSW Media, a group of creator-owned podcasts focused on news, justice, and politics. For more information, visit mswmedia.com. W Media.